This week we are starting a new series called Pursue. It is about the things that uh, humanity is pursued by. You ever felt pursued? I mean, like something's chasing you. You know, all of our, uh, some of the greatest movie scenes are those scenes where, where somebody's being chased, right? Where they're always looking over the shoulder. Remember uh, Tommy Lee Jones' remake of a movie, was it The Fugitive? You know, they were looking for the one-armed man. And he was always, like, you know, God was always running, looking over his shoulder, because he knew that God was coming after him. You know, humanity is, is pursued. We've been pursued our entire lives. And this is a four-part series on the things that humanity is pursued by. And the first one's kind of obvious. Um, it finds its root in the first uh, five chapters of the Bible. I mean, you can go back there and just read those first five chapters and you begin to see the things that uh, we are pursued by. But the main one here, of course, if you look at the story of the Bible, is we are created. God creates man. He creates Adam and Eve and He puts them in the garden. And what happens? Here you go. Here's everything that you can have. You can have everything but this one tree. All I'm asking you, Adam, is one thing, don't it? That's it. And of course, oh, Adam has a wife that God's created for him. And I won't go there. Um, but they end up taking a bite. Fruit and her eyes are open. Here comes sin, right? And sin shows its ugly head again. And the very next chapter is you have the children of Adam and Eve who, of course, are Cain and Abel and they bring their offerings. And Abel brings some of the best of his flock and is accepted by God. But Cain's is not accepted. And Cain gets upset and, and God tells him what he says. Watch out. Because sin is crouching at the door. And it looks to overtake you. Sin is that first thing that has pursued humanity from the beginning. Throughout biblical history, sin has pursued everyone, including the people of God. When you read the Old Testament, if you read it through, there are times where you just want to be able to reach through the pages and shake the Israelites. What is it you're doing? What in the world? You've seen God do all of these amazing things and you still find yourself going back to that old sin again. He brought you out of Egypt. You watched yourselves walk through with a wall of water on each side on dry land. He took the army and He drowned them. You're safe. You're fine. He sends Moses up to give the Ten Commandments and because He didn't follow your time, like a golden calf, you decide to worship it. You know, if you read through the Old Testament, the same thing happens over and over and over again. God rescues His people. He sets them up where they're supposed to be. And they miss the mark. They've walked away from the goal. They're not doing the things they're supposed to do. And sin is there, crouching at the door. And its consequences are clearly seen throughout Scripture. And even Paul struggled with this pursuit. 
He struggled with it. And, and he has in this passage, we're going to pick up in the middle of it here, in Romans chapter 7, where Paul talks about what is going on in his life. And there in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am made out of flesh, sold into sin's power. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin that lives in me. So I discover this principle. When I want to do what is good, evil is with me. For in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this dying body? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel and the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people say. You know, there is something within us we can't remove. No matter how hard we try. You ever dealt with the feeling that something was wrong in your life? That things that you are a project you take when you go to build something or create something, but something always seems off? You know, you, 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 have you ever started or took apart something to repair it, and when you put it back together, there were five screws left? And you don't know where they went? Something's just kind of, something's kind of missing. There, there's something going on. You know, Paul here says, my spirit belongs to God, but my flesh lives after the old ways. Paul doesn't question his relationship, but he condemns his action. He doesn't say, well, maybe I don't believe in Jesus. Maybe I'm not saved. That's not what he says. He says, my mind is totally God's. And I try to do the things that God wants me to do, but when I try to do those things, this sinful nature within me cries out for something else when God's calling me to this other thing. He says, I do not do what I want to do. Because I want to do good. I want to keep God's commands. I want to be the person that I'm called to be. I want to be that person who spends time in the Word. I want to be more generous with my resources. I want to help the person who's in need. I want to be the model that God has set before me. But even when I do good, I know that something's wrong. I know that there's something there pulling me in a different direction. There's something there that I battle with. Evil still lives inside of me. You know, in cartoons, we had the little angel and the little devil, right? And the little angel whispers what the good thing is, and the little devil says, well, don't do that. Maybe it's, sometimes it's the dark angel and not the devil. But you got them on each shoulder there, and they're trying to tell you, hey, look this way. Come and do this. 
And I know we've all had that feeling. We've all had that feeling where we know what we're supposed to do. But there is this something inside of me that I can't get rid of. There's something inside of me that cries out for something else. And sometimes it's a bigger struggle than I need it to be. You know, it makes me feel a little bit better when I hear Paul saying this. <laughs> this is Paul. The one who wrote most of our New Testament. The one that, that Jesus came down and stood in front of and, and, and all the things of God. Paul, the one that, that we all, the one who honestly said to his people, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's a big step. That's a big thing to say. And so Paul, even Paul says, man, there is something wrong. There is something in me that I can't get off, get, get away from. Not only do, not, do I not do the good that I want to do, but sometimes I end up doing the evil that I don't want to do. And even in my status as a saved individual, I find myself failing miserably. Is that you? I know it's me. I know there are times that I look up and I go, um... How did I end up here? I, I, I wasn't even on this road, you know? How did I end up on this side of town? You know, uh, I'm the one who drives in our family. Because uh, evidently people can't be trusted. Carrie's already blurred at me, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Carrie is wonderful at so many things following directions in a car. She takes after my mother, and she's not even related to her mother. I mean, she, first time we moved to Fort Worth, and she had a job as a, as a maid. And I wrote down directions for her because we didn't have Google. Right? We, didn't, we couldn't, you know, Google it. And we lived off the Las Vegas Trail. And I said, get on 30 and exit 820 North. Well, she saw the first sign that said 820 South that went off to the right, and she took it. She called me 45 minutes later, and she said, none of the streets you told me are on this map. They're not here. Well, well, tell me what street you're looking for. She starts telling me the streets, and I said, how did you get over there? I followed your directions. She just, I said exit 820. I didn't say turn right on 820, and she turned right because it was the first 820 she saw. Honest mistake, but that's how we end up like that with sin, right? We think we're doing what we're supposed to do, Paul says. We think we know, and we have directions in front of us, and we think we're following them, but we end up somewhere we never expected to be, and we end up crying out. I mean, she picked up the phone and she said, I don't know where I'm at. And I said, well, let's figure this out. And we did. We figured it out. And then I got her on the right route and she got where she was supposed to go. But that's how we find ourselves sometimes. Because we think we're doing what we're supposed to do. We think we're on the right track. And Paul said, even in my status as a saved individual, 
even when I know I'm doing the right thing, I end up failing miserably. I end up somewhere that I don't want to be because there is nothing good that lives in my flesh. I want to do good, but I don't have the ability. I want to be good. Now, the Paul says, when we do what is right, sin seeks to drag us down. Says evil lies close at hand, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin. Sin doesn't just stop with the action, it wants to perpetuate itself. Sin wants to keep on going, it wants to throw you off balance. If I can just get him thinking about this, I can keep him apart from his faith. If I can just get her focused over here, I can keep her from focusing on the cross. If I can just get her thrown off. Have you ever had car trouble while on a trip? That's what sin seeks to do. That's what sin seeks to do. It's where we are so we can't reach where we're supposed to be. That's what sin's trying to do. It wants to make us stop. And one of the tricks of sin is to tie something good to a sinful fall so that we avoid the good for fear of the fall. Say, you begin a Bible study, and it goes good for a couple of weeks. But then suddenly, it's just a big argument. And all you're doing is getting angry at each other. And you're saying things you don't mean. And, and the Bible study becomes marked by arguments and battles, and it causes you a great deal of anger and, and, and a great deal of pain. And the enemy likes to use that. Because the next time you think about being a part of a Bible study, the next time you think of starting up a Bible study, you go, well, well, what if that happens again? And it ties that fall to something good. So you can go, well, how do I do this? What do I do with this? Because the enemy likes to trick you. The enemy likes to make you think things are how they aren't. The enemy likes to make you think things that completely are not true and you start going well but I've seen so much to the contrary and he does it every time he doesn't let up when things start going good the enemy's going to try and make it blow up I've said it before if nothing bad ever gets in your way if everything's always hunky dory you might want to check where your relationship is with Jesus because the devil doesn't bother people who aren't doing the right thing he doesn't need to they're not a threat. If 911 gets two calls at the same time, and one person has called because they're panicked because somebody has started a fire in their main fire pit, and the other call is that there's a fire in a field between two houses, they're not going to put their manpower on the fire pit. Because it's not a threat. There's somebody there manning it. Don't be a fire pit. Be a wildfire. Be the thing that God wants you to be. Because if, if you aren't doing what God wants you to do, if, if you are simply being <coughs> the, the person that you've always been, there's no, there's no threat. The enemy doesn't have to attack you. You know, that, that's, you know, Barry talked about all of this theology that went on and part of that was people started saying that you know Christ, once you become a Christian things are just good they lie 
Because the closer you are to God, the more the enemy is going to try to attack you. Because he knows you're a threat and he wants to drag you down. Paul says all this stuff and you read this and you kind of want to go, is this hopeless? Is pursuit by sin simply our downfall forever? And Paul comes close, it seems. I'm wretched. Who's going to save me? How do we win this battle with sin? Well, we have to do a few things. First, we have to recognize that something's wrong. We have to recognize that. I've seen more believers fall into sin because they believe nothing's wrong in them than the person who says there's something in me that I can't control. There's something in me that I war against. We cannot live in the belief that I mostly do good. There's that scale heresy. People believe somehow that when I get to heaven, there's this big scale. And as long as the good outweighs the bad, I'm getting in. But that's not what the Bible says. And that's not who we're supposed to be. We must recognize that our flesh is corrupt and marred. I mean, look at what Paul declares. I do what I do not want, and I don't do what I want. Evil is living inside me. My flesh is broken, and we cannot begin to fight sin if we don't recognize our own weakness. We also have to have an attitude of hatred towards sin. Paul says he does what he hates. Our flesh is going to cry out that it loves those things. I love that. I love it. Give me more. That's what the flesh says. And it's so easy to give in. It even makes a good case for them, right? Who's it hurting? Doesn't hurt anybody. Everybody, everybody can't be wrong. Because everybody does this. Can't be that bad. Cheryl Crow lied to us about 20 years ago. It makes you happy it can't be that bad. That's a lie from the devil. Because sometimes sin will make you happy for a moment. But then the rug gets pulled. We have to hate the very sin that's pursuing us. We can't give it a foothold because once you do, you become like Cain where that sin is crouching, waiting to devour you. And truthfully, the only way to win the war with sin is trust in Jesus. That's Paul's answer. Who can save me? I thank God that Jesus does. Our flesh is evil. The only way to overcome sin is to allow Jesus full access in our lives. He also lives in us. Our body's kind of like a duplex. Two tenants. Sin lives in my flesh and Jesus lives in my mind. Jesus has control. If we'll give Him control, that's how we overcome it. That's how we, we save Jesus. You can have it all. He lives in us. He can do good despite the flesh. We have to start actually believing the words of the song. Sometimes we sing, I surrender all, when really what we mean is, Jesus, I surrender some. I surrender some. You can have this and this and this, but Jesus, that you can't have. You can have my job. You can have my home. You can have, you can have my, my TV. You can have the video games, but you can't have my family. Once we surrender all and we say, Jesus, you can have it all, Jesus begins to win. How does he win? We can have victory, and he has victory in doing good when we would fail the flesh. When we fail, we have the cross of Christ and the blood that was shed there to cover the transgression. Someday, we're going to have our final rescue from the flesh. Someday, if we know Jesus, this part that we can't get rid of right now will be gone. You know? 
Hey, Mike, I'll give it to you. Where are you at? I like the word surgeon now. Okay, we're back to there. Uh, that song is always, My heart needs a surgeon. I couldn't grasp it. But now I do, because when that day comes, He's going to remove that part. He's going to reach in and take that part out. And it's no longer going to be there. Every person on earth is pursued by sin. <laughs> but believers have a higher standard than which we're called. We have a higher standard. We're called to something else. What about you this morning? Are you struggling with a higher standard? Or are you simply letting your flesh down? Because there's an answer to this dilemma. There's an answer to what we need to do when the name is Jesus. Jesus is the answer. If we allow Him free reign, He can deliver us from this flesh that drags us down. People, young couples, always laugh at me when, we're, when we do premarital counseling because they ask me the most important thing, and I, I tell them, decide which role, which way the role goes on the toilet paper right now. <laughs> That's the most important thing. And they look at me and they go, "What are you talking about?" I said, "You already agree on the big stuff, or you wouldn't be getting married. It's the little things that eat at you." It's the little things that begin to tear you apart. It's the little things that become the big things. And so if you decide on the little things now, and you make that decision now, those are going to be a problem later. It's the same thing with Jesus. If we give Him full access, and we say, okay, Jesus, you get to decide, then the flesh isn't going to matter. Because if Jesus makes the decision, and we every time say, okay, Jesus, and, and, and sometimes people are afraid that we're taking it too far. But I shouldn't have to ask you for everything. Why not? Why not? You mean I should ask him what clothes to wear in the morning? Maybe. Have you seen what some people wear? Maybe you should. I should, I should ask him what I should fix for supper this week. Maybe you should. Maybe you should ask him for everything. Because if you do, then when the big stuff comes up, you're already going to be used to listening to what He tells you to do. We're being pursued by sin. It doesn't stop when we know Jesus. It intensifies sometimes. Because there's nothing more damaging to the witness of Christ than a fallen believer. That the church doesn't lift back up. Maybe this morning you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling with, with, that, with that flesh versus Jesus. I want to do these things, but man, I keep feeling pulled this way. Now's the time to say, Jesus, I'm giving it all to you. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve in the missions. Maybe you want to serve in the ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never known the one who can, who can free you from the prison of sin. Now's the time. You walk the aisle and you say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus. We'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings.